So before I share this morning, I just want to remind you all of a couple of things. Some of y'all came in um, after I shared some announcements this morning, but we do have a Christmas Eve candlelight service tonight at 5. This service is different from that one uh, because we really wanted to honor the fourth Sunday of Advent um, and celebrate that together this morning. And so this morning we're focusing on the fourth Sunday of Advent, and then tonight we're going to be um, doing the Christmas Eve candlelight service, and we'll sing lots of Christmas carols, and We'll light the candles and all the things. It's going to be a lot of fun. And so I'm looking forward to seeing y'all tonight at 5 if you're able to come. Um, If not, that's all good. We'll be broadcasting it on Facebook Live and all that, so you'll be able to connect um, through that as well if you can't get out later tonight. And then I think that's all the the main things I need to share with you today. So I'm going to read our scripture this morning. It comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. This is our, our, actually our lectionary text for this morning, and we're going to focus on that text today, and then um, I'm going to share a few words with you all. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age And she who is said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. That's my child crying right now. When he says mommy, daddy, he wants both of us, not just one of us. So our candle for this morning uh, represents love, and we've kind of taken the traditional uh, things that these candles represent this year, and we've spent some time reflecting on each of them, on hope, peace, and joy, and love. And for me, it's been a little bit challenging to reflect on these ideas because, you know, when we're going through hard times or we're experiencing deep darkness like our world is experiencing right now and like many of us are experiencing in our lives, it's kind of hard to hold on to hope. It's hard to believe in peace. It's hard to have joy in our lives, and it's certainly hard to love, and it's even hard to feel loved in these moments, but we're doing it. We're preaching on this stuff anyway. You know, in a way, love is like really easy to preach on, right? Like, I love to talk about love. I talk about love more than probably any other thing in my sermons over the last uh, 10 years of being here. Our scriptures, our faith tradition, our songs, our prayers— Our liturgies, our understanding of God, all of it is like bathed in love. It's love, love, love. It's all love. All throughout the Bible, everywhere, all times, all places, love is everywhere. 
And so in a way, it's like easy to preach on love because this is something that's all throughout our scriptures. But also, love is also hard to talk about. One reason is because love is kind of played out, right? It's, it's been talked about so much. And there have been people who have come before me who have said much more eloquent and poetic things about love than I could ever dream to say. And so it's already been talked about so much. We have songs about love. Love is everywhere. And so it's a bit hard to think, like, what new idea on love can I offer this morning? I want to share another reason it's hard for me right now to preach about love. This may be one of my most personal sermons that I preach, um, but I feel like I wanted to share it with you all. I've learned some hard lessons about love recently. I've learned that love is risky. I've learned that love is very painful. And I've learned that love is even tragic sometimes. To decide another, to love another person with your whole heart, with your whole being, with all that you are, is one of the most risky decisions you could ever make in your life. My decision to love has truly broken my heart. Many of you all know back in 2021, my wife and I became foster parents. And as many of you know, our first foster son, Chosen, um, I'll show you some photos of him because he's beautiful, beautiful baby boy. Um, Chosen passed away last year in August um, in 2022 um, at just 18 months old. You know, during our foster care training, I remember our facilitators um, who were teaching us about foster care, they emphasized over and over and over how hard it was going to be to be foster parents. And I believed them, and part of me thought, like, y'all are really saying this too much, right? Like, you're, they talked over and over how hard it was going to be. I knew it was going to be hard. I believed them, but I never imagined it would be as hard as it has been. Some, some people warned us about getting too attached to the children. Because the initial goal, right, is always that they're reunified with their birth parents, and that is good. They aren't supposed to stay with you forever. So I thought about trying to guard my heart to try to keep some distance. I thought maybe I could just love with like three quarters of myself and reserve a quarter to protect my heart, right, from being hurt. Because I knew that if I gave myself fully to this experience, if I loved, uh, let myself love a child with my whole heart, then I risked being hurt. I remember the day we got a call. Um, a six-day-old baby named Chosen was at the hospital, and he needed a home. Laura will tell you, when we got that call, she, she texted me and said, John, come upstairs. We got a call, and I just froze. <laughs> I didn't move. She had to come find me because she's like, I knew you probably were just scared to death, and I was. I didn't move. I was so scared. I didn't know, like, what this would entail. You know, it was one thing to say, we're going to sign up to be foster parents, but when you get the call, it's like, oh, here we go. I don't know anything about this. I don't know how to raise a baby. I don't know anything about anything related to this stuff, um, but here we go. And so I was very scared, but then Laura came down, and we talked, and, and, and she was there with me, and I knew that we could do it together, and we said yes. I wasn't quite sure in that moment what saying yes meant, right? I didn't know what all that would entail. And even after all that we've been through, I'm still grateful that we said yes. The day I met Chosen, my heart connected to his, and there was no turning back. There was no three-quarters love. It was all. It was all of me. He was my son in that moment, and I loved him. He was reunited with his birth mom after four months of being with us. And when he left our home in July of 2021, I was devastated. 
um, daily for weeks. I wondered how he was doing. I wondered whether he was okay. I wondered if he felt loved. I worried that he was wondering where we were. I wondered if he was confused. And I felt like in that moment, like I lost my son when he was reunited with his mom. I felt happy for her um, that she had this reunification, but it was also really sad for me and for Laura because we, we loved him and we missed him. And I never imagined that I would have to grieve the loss again when his life was cut way too short. And I miss him so much and I will always love him. You know, making the decision to love Chosen with my whole heart was the hardest decision of my life probably. Um, not because of him, he was easy to love, but because I knew that my heart could be broken. Many of you all have probably heard the song Hallelujah that was written by Leonard Cohen. Jeff Buckley, an artist, recorded it at one point, made it very popular at that point. But it's become like a beloved song in our country. And one of the lines that's always stood out to me is he says, love is not a victory march. It's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah. And for me, like, I believe love is beautiful, but love is all too often very painful and very tragic. You know, during this time of year, I always spend time reflecting on the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary got a call from the angel Gabriel asking her to be the mother of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And when Mary said yes, she wasn't quite sure what she was saying yes to. Though she knew that she was saying yes to loving her Jesus with her whole heart. She was committing her life to loving him fully and to being there for this child, this baby, and walking with him through all the different stages of his life. It was the most important and I would say the most devastating decision that Mary ever made. This week I've been thinking about Mary's like fierce and unrelenting love that she had for Jesus. I'm confident that Mary loved Jesus more than any other human on this planet. And any other human has ever loved Jesus on this planet. He was her son from her womb, bearing her features. She was near to him his entire life, loving him at his birth, and she was there at his tragic death. And I tried to imagine the fear that she felt when she heard that Herod wanted to kill her baby. And the courage that she had then to pick up her life and flee to another country with her family to protect her child. There was a moment in Jerusalem when Jesus was just 12 years old. It was during Passover. Passover was a big religious time in Jerusalem. It was also a dangerous time in Jerusalem. There was a lot of violent uprisings that happened during Passover in Jerusalem. And what happened is Jesus got, dis he got separated from his family. And as a mother of a 12-year-old, she could not find her child for three whole days. Imagine the fear that she had. Imagine the worry. She was so afraid, panicked. I imagine frantically trying to find her son. And she found him then at the temple. And in that moment, she saw Jesus in the temple, and he had no worry in his heart. He said, this is where I'm supposed to be. In that moment, I'm, like, I'm, I'm sure Mary realized that she wouldn't be able to hold on to Jesus forever. That Jesus had a purpose and a mission, a path that he had to travel alone. Her love for him was so strong that I'm sure she wanted to cling to him. But she had to let Jesus go in that moment, which is, must have been one of the most painful days of her life. As Mary became a young adult, or as Jesus and Mary grew up together, really, she was young when she had him, but as Jesus became a young adult, his life became so chaotic, and Jesus' life became very terrifying. His popularity soared, 
But with that popularity came opposition. I've been thinking, I read a biography of Dr. King this year, and and just the way when his popularity grew, his life became very fragile, and his life became very dangerous. People in his life who loved him tried to tell him to stop what you're doing, stop pushing so hard, stop doing this because you're going to get yourself hurt. But he had a purpose and a mission. And Jesus had a similar purpose and mission. He was threatened and harassed and always in danger. And imagine Mary. She probably wanted to control Jesus. She probably wanted to tell Jesus, tone it down. Like, please, lay low. Like, your life is fragile here, and I don't want to lose you. But she knew she couldn't because Jesus had a purpose and a mission that was beyond her even. Yet she stayed near to him anyway, as hard as it was to see her son suffer. In the final hours of Jesus' life, he was arrested, wrongfully arrested. He had trumped up charges. He was convicted in court and sentenced to death in the middle of the night. And Mary had no power to stop it. She was there with him as he breathed his last breath on the cross. And then on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. Now I want you to try to imagine the excitement and disbelief and what that sweet reunion was like when her son appeared to her after rising from the dead. But then after just a few short days, he left again and he ascended up into heaven, promising one day to return. And for the rest of Mary's life, she carried Jesus with her in her spirit, remembering him with joy and grief, with sweet memories and bitter sadness. Mary took the risk to love Jesus, and she suffered greatly because of that choice. But her life was changed, and the whole world was changed through these acts of love that she showed. I learned something new about Mary this year. I'd never noticed this in the story that we just read. But in the story, the angel of Gabriel appeared to Mary, and the text tells us that Mary was greatly troubled. Now, there is a Greek word that means troubled, and that is used to describe the way Elizabeth felt when she found out, uh, her family found out about their son that they were going to have. But Mary, it says, they used a different word. And it means greatly troubled. It's just a way to say that she was really disturbed. She was distressed. She was overwhelmed. She was terrified. And then the angel then tried to tell her some things that maybe she might want to hear. You know, he's like, you are the, the mother of the coming Messiah. You, you're, everything's going to go. It's going to be awesome for you, Mary. This is a big deal. Maybe to try to help her, like, feel a little bit more peace, right, about this decision. But she was probably even more troubled. The angel then, Gabriel, tried, he made seven pronouncements to Mary to try to help her to say yes. So you are highly favored. Your son's going to be great. He's going to even sit on a throne. He's going to have a kingdom that's never going to end. Say yes, Mary. This is awesome. But Mary wasn't convinced until the very end. And the thing that seems to convince Mary to say yes is when Gabriel tells her that her relative Elizabeth is also miraculously pregnant and that Elizabeth is going to bear another son who is also going to be great and be called by God. When the young Mary learned that her relative Elizabeth would also be going through a similar situation, she then had the courage to say, yes, I'll do it. Even though the stakes were so high, the road was so uncertain, the fear so great, Mary said yes, perhaps because she knew that another woman 
was going to share that suffering with her, was going to share that experience with her and all the challenges and all the stuff that goes along with it, she knew she wouldn't have to face it alone. The darkness around us is so great right now. Through Advent, we've been talking about this theme of illuminating the darkness. We are facing incredible challenges and loss and suffering. And love can illuminate the darkness. Love can be a glimmer of light into the darkest of situations. Yet we know that love is so hard. Love is risky. And it's going to eventually mean suffering and pain. It will be that way for all of us if we truly choose to love with our whole hearts. But the beautiful thing is about this story, it teaches me that we aren't meant to love alone, that we have each other. As we face uncertain futures, let us choose again and again to love over and over, leaning into one another, trusting in the power of love to transform and illuminate the world and the darkness around us. I truly have come to believe that love is never wasted, that any act of love is bringing God's spirit and God's light into some kind of dark situation and has the potential to transform and change the trajectory of our world. So I encourage you all to continue to follow in Mary's example and have the courage to show up, have the courage to step out in faith and continue to open your heart and your life to others, trusting that you've got other people with you um, on that journey. I'm going to sing a song. Uh, Lisa and I and Laban's going to play with us as well. We're going to share a song with you before communion. And it's a song I came across this week, and it's called Mary's Lullaby. And there's actually some other songs with that same title. But it's a song written from the perspective of uh, imagining uh, a song that Mary might sing over her son, Jesus. And I just think it's a beautiful song. So we wanted to share it with you and... and The words will be on the screen as we go through it so you can follow along. But I encourage you as we sing this just to try to put yourself in Mary's shoes and imagine the love that she had for Jesus. And as I sing this, I imagine the love that I have for my sons and and the love that I feel in my heart. And and hopefully we can see more and more that Mary is a, a, a powerful woman. And Mary was a woman who had so much courage. And I've really been drawing from from her spirit and her inspiration uh this week. Black-haired boy, your eyes are dark As midnight lit by shining stars As bright as love that filled my heart When first I looked at you Your skin is brown as pilgrim roads Laid straight through fragrant olive woods As brown as mine and I'm in awe Each time I look at you, you made the ox and lamb my love, and shaped the wings of turtle doves. You wrote the hidden secrets of 
I'll be 